Hey everybody, I just wrapped up the most terrific episode of the podcast. I know I say that all the time, but I just finished talking with the beautiful Ezie Spencer about so many different interesting topics with the moon. It's going to be a fascinating episode for you. I hope that you can take some notes or make sure that you check out the show notes for this afterwards so that you can get all the insight that we talked about. Dr. Ezie Spencer trained as a lawyer and did her PhD in women's well-being after sexual violence. She now teaches her personal practice called Lunar Abundance, how to cultivate inner peace and prosperity by following the moon's cycles. You can find and download her free lunar calendar at ezzyspencer.com and follow Ezzy's lunar updates in real time, Ezzy Spencer, on Instagram. So make sure you go to those channels of hers after you listen to this podcast. As always, I'll have them on the show notes for this. Before we go over to that episode, I have the review of the week, and this comes from Sarah B. 2489 And she says, because of you, I've realized what freedom feels like with five stars. Thank you, Madeline, for being authentically you. It's because of you and this podcast that I've realized what freedom feels like. You made it a possibility for me to defy the health and fitness industries, and for that, I'm forever grateful. It's clear that you have a gift. Your words are beautiful, and your message resonates with so many realms of my life. I never miss an episode. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for your kind words. Thank you for never missing an episode and being a fan of this show, this in this uh, review, like all of them, means so much to me. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to write that. Uh, last but not least, if you have not signed up for my new book, Confessions of a Fitness Model, it is not too late. You can go to maddiemoon.com slash free book and you can put your email in and be on the list to get the book for free. Uh, the last day to do that is February 27th, 2016, of course. So go and uh, sign up to get that for free. I will send it to you the 28th. If you miss that, if for some reason you forget to do it, you can still get the book on Amazon later on, just not for free. But that's okay. Either way, I hope that you can get this book. Uh, it's going to be awesome, me just diving in deep with all of the inner uh, turmoil that I went through with the emotional, physical, spiritual... Uh, mental aspects so grab that book and a little moment where I just want to be super excited and happy Uh, so I'm actually recording this episode one week before it airs Um, and today I found out that I was featured in the Daily Mail the Daily Mail and it's you know hopefully I'll know what the Daily Mail is but it was a huge moment for me to wake up and see that I was uh, my story was found in the Daily Mail so I'll have the link to that article also in the show notes if you want to read it maybe share it around send it to someone let me know your thoughts I'm just super excited I feel super blessed I feel honored to be someone crusading this industry of orthorexia recovery spreading awareness about the dangers of bodybuilding. Some people do not like it and that is a-okay because a lot of people do. So I'll keep doing it. Thank you for your support. Every time you write a review or you share the podcast with a friend, you are helping me and this message get out louder. So let's keep working on spreading awareness. All right, enough of that. Let's head over to talk to Ezzy Spencer. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. The show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon 
a former fitness model gone sane, and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, mattymoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome back to the show, everybody. I am here with the gorgeous, beautiful Ezzy Spencer, and I am so excited to be talking with her today about lunar abundance and cycles and uh, intentions we set for ourselves, femininity, all those really fun topics that I love to geek out on because I don't know all that much about this topic. I Actually, I know nothing. And the funny thing is my last name's Moon. So this will be a cool education session where we learn about the moon. So welcome to the show, Ezzy. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, Maddie. Can I just say, and I, pro- I know you probably get this all the time, but I love your accent. I just love your voice. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Oh, and I love yours. <laughs> you know, for some reason, when I didn't, I didn't make the connection. Like I knew you were, you're from Australia, right? Right. And I knew that I like knew, you know, setting up times with you to talk, but I didn't really register that you'd have this really delicious, awesome accent. So I'm excited to be able to listen to you for the next hour. <laughs> have you had any other Aussies on the show? I'm trying to think. I, I don't know. I know I've had British accents uh, and I feel like I have had Australian, but I probably have, and someone's going to be mad at me because I know I have, but I, I don't know. This is your, I don't know. It's new to me for right now, in this moment. I love the internet for bringing us together all over, from all over the world. It's a magic thing, it is. I love it. Um, and I found out about you through someone that I had met all the way here in Boulder. We were talking, we met up at a coffee shop, and this girl I was talking with is very much into, uh, you know, the menstruation, like, connection with the moon and to me I was like what in the world are you talking about and she told me that she had learned some very fundamental aspects of this through you and so I wrote down your name and then I looked you up and I was like oh this girl is awesome she's got so much uh, interesting content to share with the world I have a feeling we'd have a great conversation my audience would really dig her so here we are oh how fabulous it's such a small world it really is. It really is how crazy that is. Someone all the way from Boulder can be connected to someone in Australia. So that's awesome. Mm. All right. So the first thing I do on the show really with a guest is to ask you to dive into your background, your story, and how you got to where you are today doing what it is that you do. Mm. Well, I actually started off my professional career as a lawyer, which surprises a lot of people. So I trained as a lawyer and I was working in law reform, so reviewing Australia's laws, uh, working for a federal government agency, making sure they're up to date, effective, just in line with Australia's human rights obligations. I was always interested in more of the social justice arm of the law and making a difference. Um, then going down more of that, that corporate path. But I was still working the crazy, crazy hours, as you do, um, and which, you know, I'm sure you relate to and many of your listeners relate to those, you know, very, very long desk-bound days. Um, and I was, 
you know, I didn't really know there was another way of living or working, I suppose. And I was really just in the grind and feeling pretty disconnected from, you know, my own my own heart, my own intuition, my own body, especially. I was very much stuck in my head. It was a very intellectual, heady um, environment that I was working in, which I liked, by the way. You know, it wasn't that it was... Um, you know, as I'm sort of telling this part of the story, I don't want to give the impression that it was, you know, a nightmare or a crisis or anything like that. But it wasn't the type of um, life which ultimately was conducive to my best, um, you know, my best life and my best way of living and being. And it definitely wasn't conducive to my well-being. And so I started to, to move away from that. I ended up going into writing a uh, into, into legal academia, and I and I did a PhD on women's well-being after sexual violence and the legal response to that. But along the way, really at home, you know, in my personal life, I was going home, and uh, you know, after these long days, and I was working hard. I was also partying hard. And I would keep a journal and I still keep a journal and I find it's the best way to really make sense of yourself and your world, particularly when there's something that's not quite right in your day-to-day -day life, but you don't know what that is. And so I certainly had this, this yearning for something else, a yearning for a deeper connection um, to myself and to a, a deeper purpose for my life and for my work and I started to notice where the moon was in the sky and how I was feeling and I used to write into my journal at night as I was documenting the day and processing my emotions I would draw in a little symbol of where the moon was in terms of like which phase it was in so the full moon is really obvious you know we all know what a full moon looks like um, that's one of the main lunar phases and I would write in you know the, the full moon and then I'd also note the new moon which is another one of what's eight moon phases that I now work with and I would also start to you know draw in like the little crescent moon and uh, at other other stages of the of the moon phase throughout the lunar cycle which lasts for about a month and so I did that by looking up at night and seeing where the moon was and noticing the correlation between how I was feeling and what was going on in my life and I did this for years and so the lunar cycle lasts for about a month. So there's going to be sort of 12 to 13 lunar cycles in any one year. And so after doing this for a while, the reason why I kept doing it was because that I started to notice that there were rhythms and there were patterns. And those rhythms and patterns became predictable. And those rhythms and patterns correlated with what was going on for me emotionally throughout the whole moon cycle. So that was how I started to get into doing this work was very much by accident and through this personal inquiry process. And then over time, I started to, you know, I, I, I went deeper and deeper into it because I was really curious about what was going on and what I was learning about myself. And I started to layer in more and more aspects into the practice. And then I started to teach it again, very informally to start off with. And it was, um, it was something that just grew and grew and grew from there.
Oh, that's so fascinating and so beautiful how that just transitioned naturally. It wasn't forced. It started as an interest and and then it bloomed into something that you're basically known as an expert over now. So I love that story. Um, a question for you about the difference between months. So say, you know, you, you journal that you feel a certain way and it happens to be a particular phase of the moon. And then in the next month, the same phase of the moon, do you find that you generally feel similar? You feel the same? So say you're like super happy when it's one of those eight phases and then that next one, do you feel super happy again? And that's the kind of, that's the kind of pattern you're talking about? Well, yeah, and so that can um, that can definitely come, and particularly in the in I suppose the the later stages of what I started to, to layer in because I started to layer in more uh, intentions. So then you could start to really um, you know direct your mind towards uh, creating more of those positive emotions, if you will. So uh, what I noticed mostly was to do with energy. So at least when I started to 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 do this practice right back at the beginning and the lunar tracking. Um, just the the noting down where the moon is in the sky and noting how you're feeling is such a beautiful way to start um, just the lunar tracking aspect of it I would notice that I would feel for instance very energetic at a full moon I'd want to go out and that would be a real time of me wanting to like socialize or you know really having the energy for me to like push forward with big projects that I was working on and then at the um you know, the balsamic moon phase, for instance, which is the eighth of the eight lunar phases um, and is a very restorative phase, I would find that I, all I would want to do is retreat. Like I would just want to come within and to, you know, curl up under the covers and be with myself. And then, you know, I would then, I suppose, find that that resting time would propel me into the next time of, of, of greater energy and would sort of set me up for being able to, to go out into the world and you know, achieve more at the next, uh, the next phase. Absolutely. So in those days that you feel that you need to retreat and you need to give yourself that resting time, what does that look like for you? Because I know that when my body's trying to tell me, and I know this also for a lot of my clients, like they'll tell me the same thing. When your body is kind of giving you the signals of, I don't want to do that. Or, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, I was texting my boyfriend the other day and I was like, I have no inspiration today. Just none. I have no inspiration I feel like I should blah, 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 or I need to blah, blah, blah. If I was tracking it, I'm sure I could have seen some kind of pattern there and that maybe would have given me a little more like reassurance that this is natural. Um, but in those days where you feel that way and for, for me and all my listeners who when we start feeling that way, what do you go to do? Like, How do you turn off the needs, the shoulds, and you give yourself space to be, just be? It's such a good question. And so I'll preface that question by giving you a little bit more context about how I do work with all of the moon phases because it works for me in terms of a bigger system, which does help me turn it off those needs and shoulds. And so what I mean by that is that when I mentioned that there are eight moon phases, I work with four of those phases as yang phases and four of those phases as yin phases. And those 
those phases come in pairs. So the very first phase in the moon cycle is a yang phase. So that is more of a doing phase. Um, that's more of an action-oriented phase. And then its pair is a yin phase, which is more of the resting, pulling back phase, exactly as you've described. And each one of those phases lasts for three or four days each. And so what that means is during a yin phase where I know they're coming up because, again, there's that predictability of when these phases will fall in my life and a predictability for me to learn because I've learned how I feel in those phases and I've learned that the yin phases, I want to pull back. Now, I am... Um, I guess sometimes I refer to myself as a recovering overachiever, um, which is that I my natural tendency is to go and go and go and push and push and push all the time. That was my sort of natural original patterning. And so the yin phases have been so important for me to really learn to pull back to to be able to find that sense of balance, not just in my life in terms of like, not just the work-life balance, although that's important, but also in terms of the balance within all aspects of my life. So in terms of your question, what, how do I get out of the needs and the shoulds with the yin phases? The first thing uh, which is important for me to know is that there is another yang phase coming. So there is another time coming when I will be able to like get going and I'll be able to tick off everything on my to-do list and I'll be able to burn through um, everything that I really want to do. Uh, and so in order for me to have the energy that I will need in order to, to move forward, I must take the time to just take the foot off the gas during a yin phase. I must draw back during a yin phase. So it goes beyond permission to draw back and to rest, to becoming something which is essential in order for me to continue to function at a high level during those yang phases. So the rest and the, the restoration aspect of it is essential. It's necessary to keep going and keep functioning at a high level and to keep being my best self. And so the types of things though that I do during a yin phase because it's not just all then sitting at the beach during a yin phase like or just like staying in bed <laughs> although that might be that might be really nice sometimes <laughs> I mean the reality is is that we live in a very you know busy modern world and so it's not about going to those extremes or at least not all the time it may be for instance that I will I mean I run my own business and so in a work context I will schedule as much as possible, my clients, my interviews, my, um, you know, the getting out and the meeting aspect of my work, I will schedule those to the extent that I can in yang phases. So I will have more um, sort of bursts of activity, I suppose, in those yang phases. And the yin phases for me, I'll schedule more downtime. So another part of what I do in, a, in my own business is that I create a lot of content. I'm often writing and I find that to be a very relaxing activity for me. So I will schedule that type of work in a yin phase for me, which feels really good and restorative for me in a yin phase. And then I will also, for instance, schedule, you know, my meetups with friends, um, in a yang phase and then I'll pull back and have some of those quieter evenings at home during a yin phase and I will do some more of my um, you know high impact or high exertion exercise 
exercise, for instance, during a yang phase. So it may be that I will go for a run on the beach on a yang phase in the mornings, you know, when I'm exercising and I may choose to do like a yin yoga class or a gentle walk you know, along the beach on a yin phase. And so you can see the patterns emerging in all aspects of life and the yang phase being more of the moving forward time, the yin phase is always being that that pulling back time, each one of those phases lasting three and a half, four days each, and those phases alternating all the time. And so it is a, um, it's a rhythm for me, which just means that I'm able to then um, feel really good in my life and operate at my, um, operate at my peak when I need to. That is so helpful. That's so beautiful. Um, I love that. I love that so much. Just being able to, I'm like taking notes right now, but like being able to look at the yin, the yin and the yang. Um, do you feel like there are times when you like feel like you're forced into a yang moment when it's during a yin period or vice versa where something comes up and you have to just, what, what do you do then? Do you just acknowledge that this isn't ideal, but I'm going to be able to, you know, kick butt in a situation or go after it? Or do you follow this like pattern and then kind of stick with it, trying to get things to maneuver to the pattern? Does that make sense? That's such a good question. It makes perfect sense. And so, um, again, coming back to that uh, point that I made before, which is like reality of our modern lives. Mm -hmm. You know, we have got, you know, we've got jobs, you know, I don't have children myself, you know, but if you're juggling the demands of, you know, family and little people who are dependent on you and, um, you know, and that can, people can be dependent on you in any context. Um, And, you know, the reality of, of, of many people's lives, including my own, is that, again, like the yin phases are not just going to be like fully scripted in the way that I've described in and in, in that so there will certainly be things that come up and so you just roll with it as you as you mentioned before the most important thing with the lunar practice which I teach is that it's about flow and not rigidity so this is like a guide for living but it's not needing to be cut and dried um, in the sense of like all on and all off because again that's working with extremes um, and can get into some, you know, some real sort of, um, you know, taskmaster disciplinarian territory, which isn't conducive to, to, to living, you know, a life which is you know, relaxed and happy and well anyway. So don't get stressed uh, if there is something that comes up and you have to do something in a yin phase. I suppose the thing is, though, to the extent that you know that these things are coming up, then you can start to plan and arrange your schedule accordingly. So, for instance, you know, I see if I have, you know, a, a, a speaking uh, engagement or if I have a client, you know, on a yin phase, that's totally fine. It's just that that's not my, uh, that's not my normal. You know, I won't schedule in three or four clients on a, on, on a day when it's a yin phase, for example. Mm, gotcha. And, yeah, so it's more of a more of a guide, um, more of a rhythm for me at least. And then um, uh, the other aspect of it is that oftentimes it can be about the process or the mindset as you're approaching a task. So sometimes it is 
like sometimes you just have to you just have to go you know you just have to like give yourself a bit of a a nudge and just move through your task list because it may be that you have a lot to get done um you know for instance on a yang phase you know you just just and you just have to be like okay you know what i'm just going to sit down put the timer on i'm going to focus and i'm really just going to boom 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 and move through this and so on a yin phase you may also have things that need to get done but the invitation is during a yin phase to really give yourself that permission to, you know, just lean back a little bit. You know, do you really need to do everything that's on your your to-do list? Like, do you really need to do everything at 110% today? Um, and to just, you know, what could perhaps be held over to later? And oftentimes you find when you do, like, I suppose, sit back a, a bit and to look realistically at everything that needs to get done, you know, and say, actually, you know, this this probably doesn't need to get done. You may well find that that thing that you thought needed to get done may not need to get done at all. It may not be as essential to that particular project, <laughs> whatever, as perhaps you would have thought it would be when you were in that go, go, go mm-hmm. mode. So the yin phase can be as much about the process as it can be about like the doing and the going. Yeah, that makes me laugh just because like when I think about when I put things on my to-do list, like I put everything on my to-do list. I'm like eight o'clock in the morning, make sure you text dad about blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I'll get stressed because I'm like, I don't want it on my to-do list. I'll do it then. You know, and I like, I like am so, I have this relationship with my to-do list and we have been, we've split up, we've got back together, we split <laughs> up, we've tried to make things work, we've moved in together, we've lived separately. Like we are trying to figure out how to have this relationship work. And to this day, I, I can't say that I figured out how to have this to-do relationship work because I get either too obsessed or I freak out when I don't have any kind of structure so Mm. this sounds very helpful for that um for being able to figure that out now when people are wanting say like I want to get started tracking this I want to get started tracking the the moon phases with how I'm feeling what do I do starting right now like step one what is one two and three what what do you recommend we do Yeah, well, the first step is to find out where the moon is in the sky right now. And so you can go outside at night and look up if you can see the moon in 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 sort of the city or the town where you're living and and some people can and some people um have a little bit of trouble with that because of, you know, fog and light pollution and that type of thing. So I have got a moon planner on my website which is like a free download where you can just see where all the moon phases are in terms of date so when when are they coming as well which helps you um, start to plan forward Um, so that would be the first step is to find out where the moon is in the sky right now so find out where you're starting and then get your journal and just make a note which phase is the moon in and how are you feeling and write about it feel into it because the moon is very feeling based and so when I talk about feelings here I'm talking about physical sensations and this is something which I needed to focus on like I said before I had a very um I was in a very heady intellectual career uh which which wasn't bad but it just meant that I was out of balance within my own body I was always stuck in my head I was always thinking you know my my thinking um, my you know the wearing brain was my go-to and so this is an invitation when you start to 
to work with the moon is to start to drop into your body and start to feel like what's actually going on with you, like what are the physical sensations in your body and then uh, work with this over time. So go through a lunar cycle and look where is the moon um, in the sky, how am I feeling and then when you take notes on that and you're a bit of a detective on yourself, then you can continue the practice and start to observe the correlations between where the moon is in the sky and what's going on for you. Because it's such a um, it's such an individual practice because and it's such an internal practice and it's designed to help you come back into your body and connect with your intuition. And that's a process which you need to practice and you need to practice it consistently and you'll start to see the benefits of that over time as you start to to get that greater and deeper understanding of your own rhythm Mm -hmm. is there a little bit of science you can share with us about how this works like how tides pull and how all of that happens like why are we connected to the moon how does that even work yeah it's a great question and i suppose the short answer is is that there are a lot of theories scientific theories and other theories as to why this works and there's not one definitive answer that i feel um, you know really comfortable standing by in terms of the causation of what causes this and so i suppose one of those theories is the gravitational one that's one of the most obvious i suppose because of course the tides, the ocean tides on Earth are affected by the gravitational pull of the moon on a daily basis and that changes throughout the moon cycle. And so because we are, as humans, made up of, you know, a high percentage of our bodies is water, um, there is a, I suppose, a, a tendency to go, oh, well, obviously the moon must affect us as well. And it's certainly, you know, there are um, studies that show that not just humans but other animals and organisms have got that um, relationship with the moon's gravitational pull and that many of us work sort of on that lunar cycle um, rhythm in that way. I guess in terms of of the lunar abundance practice, why does it work as as it does? And I guess the answer is I'm not exactly sure. I feel more comfortable talking about the fact that there seems to be a correlation rather than a causation. So, um, you know, does the moon actually, you know, bring us a greater abundance, which is that next step after the lunar tracking and going in and working with each one of those eight lunar phases? There's particular focal points, which I recommend that you that you work with and setting an intention at, at, the, at the new moon is sort of the, the stage two of the process, which I can talk about about a little bit if you're interested um you know why does it work i i just i don't actually know but i feel like the most important thing right now is to know that it does seem to work and to try it for yourself and to convince yourself of whether or not it is something which you want to incorporate in your life oh yeah absolutely i'm much more about uh, feeling to believe, not just seeing to believe, right? Like, I, I, I think that you can really feel when something is working and then you know, like, that is truth and that it works for you. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I'm not a science person whatsoever. So even if you were going to say it, I would probably have no idea what you are talking about because that is not my language. I like to talk about the feminine flowerly stuff. So awesome. Mm. Well, what is that second part you were mentioning, the second part of uh, the cycles? 
Yeah, so the second part of the cycles is really, or the second part of the lunar abundance practice is uh, comes after the lunar tracking. So after you have got that connection or alignment with the moon cycle, then to start to set an intention at the new moon phase and then work with that intention throughout the entire cycle. And so this is where we start to not just notice what the correlation is between the moon in the sky in terms of where it's sort of actually at in terms of which phase it's at in the sky and how we're feeling and start to move into working with that moon cycle to start to create that better life for yourself. And so what um, I recommend that you do is that at the next and your listeners to do is at the next new moon to set an intention which is feeling based. And so the lunar intention setting process, which I teach is not about like material possessions or, you know, uh, I suppose like interfering with anyone else's free will or getting something or getting someone else to do something for you. It's more about feeling inside of your own body, how it is that you want to feel and what you want to cultivate in your life. And so that may be that you want to feel more abundant, for instance. It may be something which is sort of as simple on the surface as that. And I put simple in quotation marks there because even though it may seem like it's quite an innocuous intention, what you may find over the course of the lunar cycle as you continue to work with that intention, and by working with that intention, I mean sitting with that intention in meditation each day throughout the cycle. And then there are other steps that you can do as well at each one. One of the eight moon phases, but just start by setting that intention at the new moon phase and then sitting with that intention each day throughout that lunar cycle. So the whole month ahead, you will start to notice that there are um, shifts and changes that happen in your life as a result of that. And those shifts and changes are not going to be the types of things that you can script at the outset of the moon cycle. It's not like at the new moon phase, you're like, right, I'm going to feel more abundant this phase and that means that I'm going to you know make ten thousand more dollars than normal this moon phase for instance or I'm going to get a new job or I'm going to do this and then you map out all the steps that's more of a goal setting process which is perfectly valid and fine it's just not what I'm teaching in the lunar abundance practice it's much more about how you want to feel and sitting with that feeling and then allow the external world to start to move around to really match that new internal feeling that you're cultivating. Mm, That is so beautiful. And it's like a huge weight is lifted off my shoulders when I hear that. Because when I think, see, when I thought intention, when you said intentions, I'm like, okay, goal setting, let's do this. Okay, goal one, goal two, goal three. Because I'm just like, yeah, yeah, let's keep going with goals, make things happen. But then when you're like, it's about how you want to feel, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's uncomfortably easy almost. But it's not easy. It's not simple. But it's like, Instead of having this goal of like uh, creating this many podcasts or signing this many clients, it's like feel abundant. And it, that's almost scary. It's almost way harder than having these tangible goals because it, it makes you have to give up control and just have these intentions and have like not this one specific tangible thing you want to make happen, but a feeling which is so much more beneficial than a goal like a feeling I I cannot describe how many times me going back to to just the foundation of how do I want to feel throughout my day has brought me so much more peace than any goal and I know so many people can relate to this where 
say you have a financial goal. I really want to make this much money in this month. Okay, it happens. Generally, you're like, okay, next thing. Like you don't, things like money and clothing and all that, it doesn't give you all this wonder and purpose and happiness like you think it will, but feelings certainly do. Feelings are indescribable. They're just so much more and they put you at peace and at happiness and they give you what goals generally can't. Goals can get you farther in life, sure, but it's you want these goals to happen so that you feel a certain way. So why not just start with the feeling? Uh, yeah, in a nutshell, I love what you said. Yeah, it's great. I love that. So can you give us any personal experiences for yourself, how this has happened with you? Like you remember a particular time where you set an intention and then something really awesome happened. Well, yeah, we, all the time. It's every lunar cycle. I find that there are shifts and changes which I didn't necessarily expect. And some of them are not ground shaking or aren't ground shaking in the moment. But as I mentioned before, like it's a cumulative practice. And so over time, as you're, as you're following this technique, you will start to look around at your life and go, huh, all right, so much has changed here. And so some of the major transformations in my life is that, you know, I'm just so much more relaxed. Mm -hmm. I really got out of that cycle of like needing to, um, as exactly as you said before, you know, I was smiling as you were speaking, Maddie, because it just what you were talking about with the goals absolutely was uh, my experience of life. And it was also how I built a, like a successful legal career and I was building a successful you know, academic career in the short term. But over time, it probably wasn't going to be the type of life that was going to make me happy. Whereas now I have got the type of life where I am so much more relaxed. There are things to do, yes, you know. And there are, you know, always going to be um, sort of the next thing. Um, but it's not about having to race forward and sort of script and plan that and get into the um, get into the how to and get into the worry and the angst around that. There's more of a sense for me now of just living in a very abundant way, which yes does actually bring with it prosperity. But it's more about the state of mind and more about living in the flow and living in a state of trust and knowing that I will always be okay, I will always be looked after, I will always be supported because that's just what that's just my version of reality now. And that definitely wasn't my version of reality before. And so I have a sense now, I mean, I've got fantastic people around me, you know, my relationships are fantastic and I did have good friendships and, you know, and I did have wonderful um and it's sort of romantic relationships before as well. But it's just, it's a very different flavor to it in, in, in terms of my life now. Um, I have more energy than before. I have, you know, I'm allowing myself to turn off on the downtimes. I'm more willing to, um, you know, to, to shut the laptop or, you know, get away from the computer and the to-do list and get outside, you know, get out into nature and reconnect with what's really important. Mm, yeah. And when I hear you talking about this, I just picture you, I picture you at the beach and I'm just like, yeah. I want to be there with her right now because I live in the mountains, which I love, but oh. I feel like being by the beach would just be such a, a gift. Just being able to spend those, you know, down times like outside and relaxing and being able to transfer that serene, peaceful 
outdoors time indoors with your computer in those moments when you are hustling or, or focused. And that's the, that's the goal. That's the ideal um, mindset. Absolutely. And yeah, again, you said it in a nutshell where it's the balance of those two things. So I don't want to give the impression that I'm not working because, you know, the, the interesting paradox about all of this is, is that you do work and you do get a lot done. In fact, I probably get much more done now than I did previously, but it's not so much caught up in the trying and the hustling and the striving mm-hmm. all the time. It's like, yes, there are the nice moments at the beach or, you know, I love to go and visit the mountains as well and just, you know, be just being outside and being with people and having those rich experiences in connection with another human being and other human beings, those real deep soul connections and having that deep soul connection with yourself and allowing yourself the space and the time to be with yourself. Uh, And that can be through meditation or it can be, you know, through walking or, you know, the type of exercise where it's about moving your body for the joy and the delight of it rather than trying to, you know, get fit or, you know, do what you have to do. Yes, absolutely. Would you say also that your approach to your business is like, I know you said it's much more relaxed. Would you say it's, and I can't even believe if I said the word hustle because I never say that word. I don't like the thought of hustling. I like focus. Um, that's besides the point. But anyways, uh, would you say that you're much more like focused on what area of expertise, not expertise, but what area you shine the most? Like for some people, Okay, for me, let's just be specific. For me, I'm like, I gotta, you know, I do podcasting, I do videos, I do blog posts for my website, other websites. I'm like constantly trying to reach out to people, make new connections online, and uh, doing programs and one on one coaching. And sometimes, like old Bilbo Baggins says in The Lord of the Rings, I feel like butter over too much bread, you know, <laughs> like just spread out in different areas. Do you feel like you have a, a more sense of where your time and energy is best spent and where other places not so much? Oh, absolutely. And so I'm a big believer in playing to your strengths. And I feel like before you can play to your strengths, you need to know what they are. So you need to cultivate that self-knowledge first and foremost. And so for me, I am quite introverted in nature and I love to write, as I said before. And so I have developed a business model which has me spending most of my time, you know, writing and teaching online. So I have a a vibrant online community. So I do a lot of my teaching in that format. And I do live speaking, for instance, but I don't do like several talks a week. I will be quite mindful in terms of which uh, talks I choose to do, particularly if there's travel involved for those talks and Australia is a big country and so there often can be quite a lot of travel involved when uh, going and doing that kind of speaking Um, and I do see clients but again I'm quite mindful in terms of how many clients I take on and how I arrange my schedule in that way like I'd mentioned before so definitely it's a matter of playing to your strengths but you need to know what your strengths are and what 
you really love to do before you can start to make those choices. And so I feel like one of the things which my uh, lunar practice and particularly like going back 10 years ago to the very early stages of my lunar practice when it was just this hobby, it was just this thing that I was doing, it really helped me to make sense of myself and it helped me to learn, you know, that that very um, – you know, a- intense um, sort of working environment, which involved, um, you know, a lot of moving around and meetings and and seeing clients. I used to go down and and, and volunteer at community legal centres and and see clients. And I used to do a lot of of that outbound work, which was ultimately, um, you know, it was very fulfilling and rewarding and gave me a chance to give back. But it wasn't necessarily. Uh, allowing me to thrive because it wasn't the, those weren't the kind of like professional activities where I was able to do those on an ongoing and sustainable way. Whereas the business that I've created now for myself is very sustainable for me. Yes, absolutely. I think that's so beautiful. Another thing I wanted to touch on is, uh, well, there's so many things and I'm like, oh, which one do I pick? Um, <laughs> but I guess I would like to address, since I kind of brought this at the beginning, uh, the menstrual cycle. So when you're going through tracking intentions and emotions, journaling, do you also want to make sure that you include for the ladies where you are in your cycle? So you can also see the correlation between the the how you feel, the moon, and where your body's physically at? Mm, It's a great question. And so the short answer to that is yes. I feel like we have so many um, cycles, actually. All of us have a lot of cycles and that we're connected in with or can connect in with. And so the moon in the sky is one of those cycles. Uh, Menstrual cycle um, for us as women or many of us as women is another one of those cycles. And, you know, there are other cycles as well, like our circadian rhythms, our sleep cycles, our annual cycles, our bigger cycles than that as well. So the short short answer is I feel like as 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 much as we can learn about ourselves and all of our cycles and rhythms the better and so in terms of the relationship specifically between the moon cycle the moon in the sky and the menstrual cycle there's there's a relationship without a doubt and I know that because I find that over time and I've been doing this um, this work now for many years and I have taught uh, hundreds of women in various contexts in my programs and through live workshops and um, and and it through private clients and so one thing that I hear over and over again is that as you do start start tracking the moon, you will start to notice some changes or you may or you're likely to notice some changes in your menstrual cycle. So it may be uh, that a menstrual cycle, something I hear a lot is that a menstrual cycle which has uh, stopped or paused or has become irregular may start to become more regular or may start to have some more consistency to it um, or it may start again when you start tracking the moon if it stopped for some some reason um, and that includes you know some, some uh, perimenopausal women as well um, I have heard that and again I should say you know I'm not a medical doctor and this is not sort of professional research this is the anecdotal evidence which I have had you know just told to me over many years by many women. Um, And another thing which I have uh, heard um, quite a lot is that a a period which can be like quite painful, like physically painful at the time or where there can be some intense emotional pain in the lead up to the bleeding period, 
aspect of the period or the menstrual cycle is that those times can become less um, less rocky, <laughs> less painful, or there can be at least a more of a, a, an ability to be able to sit with what's going on rather than get caught up in the turmoil or the or the emotional roller coaster of it. So there does seem to be some um, some relationship there definitely between the moon and the sky and the menstrual cycle that can come with tracking your own cycles really and having that sense of, of self-knowledge around what your body is doing. I guess one um, word of caution though that I want to put in here is that sometimes women, um, the next step, um, so preempting the next step of where some women can go with this is that there is that sense of of, um, okay, I need to be bleeding and um, ovulating and so forth in sync with the moon cycle for me to be a, um, you know, to, for me to be a real woman or for me to be doing it the right way or for me to be doing it, you know, the traditional way. And so I do get a lot of emails and in fact, increasing number of emails and questions from women saying, what happens? You know, I don't bleed at the new moon. You know, I'm not in sync with the cycle or, you know, I don't bleed at all. Um, you know, does this mean that I can follow the moon? And so I feel like it's important to address that to say that, you know, by all means be, I think, be curious about yourself and learn about yourself, but don't feel like you need to change the way that your body just is, you know, being as she is on doing what she's doing to try to fit into some kind of, you know, sort of intellectual idea of what you should be doing. And so, you know, if if you're syncing up with the moon cycle, great. If you're not syncing up with the moon cycle, great. You know, it's not um, it's not a matter of 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 trying to put another should um, onto our, our you know our biological functions because that's certainly that's certainly not the intention behind anything that I'm teaching to 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 sort of you know that very it, those very um, you know kind of insidious like co-options of, of women's bodies and, and women's cycles are, are just around us in so many parts of our culture and society so let's not make this lunar cycle practice another one of those let's just allow it to be a gateway for self-knowledge and self-inquiry rather than uh, another should yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out. And besides, I feel like that'd be awful if every woman on you know Earth was on the period the same exact time. Like that'd probably be crazy. A lot of emotions running high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's some. I mean, you will hear people say that you know traditionally women did bleed together on the new moon, um, but then you also see other research that suggests that actually women did not, um, you know, in in pre-modern societies and agrarian communities didn't actually bleed on a monthly cycle. Women bled three or four times a year, and so I don't actually know what the answer is. I haven't done you know that research, that professional research, or indeed like that academic historical research myself. All I know is that there are different views out there and so I feel like all we can do is just love our own bodies and honor and respect our own bodies and what we are just doing um, in the and how we are just in the here and now that's the most important message totally and that's beautiful that's a great place to come back to we're trying to understand our bodies more not morph our minds into changing our bodies like this is mm-hmm. about becoming more in tune with our intuition and understanding how we work more not changing how we already work so mm-hmm. i'm glad that you pointed that out 
Um, all right, so it's time for the quick fire round, but before we go there, can you tell everyone where they can find you and, and anything else that you have that you'd like to share with them? Mm, well, I mentioned my lunar calendar before, the one where you can see where the next new moon is and where the moon is in the sky right now at the time that you're listening to this interview. Um, so that is at my website and my website is ezyspencer.com and you can download that lunar planner from ezyspencer.com slash free lunar planner. And then you can also find me on um, social media. I post about the moon on Instagram and each one of those eight faces in real time to give a little bit of a prompt as to what to what to do and how to work with with each one of those phases. Awesome. So cool. And I will have the links to those on my website for the show notes for this. Um, so let's go to the quickfire round. All right. Question number one. What does body freedom mean to you? Oh, feeling good in my body, you know, feeling really, um, you know, just feeling that sense of, 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 of vitality and energy and just uh, power, real power that comes through, like not being seen, not being objectified. Um, so it's like that, that I guess there's an external element to body freedom as well as the internal element, which is just like feeling really good. Mm-hmm. What is a must read book? Mm. Um, well, there's, I guess, um, I love the books by um, Barbara Stanny. She's been a big influence on me in terms of that abundance and living well in a very feminine way. And so she has a book called Sacred Success, which is um, a really lovely, a lovely book around being a successful woman. She also writes about um, secrets of six-figure women and overcoming over-earning, sorry, overcoming under-earning as some of her other books. And so she really, uh, I guess, unpacks some of the particular challenges that women face in terms of um, uh, like financial success and empowerment in the modern Western world. So great reads. I've mentioned a few. Sacred Success. Sounds great. Mm. Yeah, sounds really good. Uh, If you could interview anybody, dead or alive, who would that person be? I would be really interested to interview Carl Jung, who came, a lot of people know Carl Jung's work as a psychologist, as a depth psychologist. And he also was um, really interested in uh, cycles as well. So he worked with a bunch of different, you know, celestial cycles and he would track his clients, um, you know, astro stats, if you will, as well as what was going on uh, for them in terms of their emotional and psychological well-being. So he came up with this idea of synchronicity, which is more around working with the relationship between what's happening in the sky and what's happening down below as, um, as, as, as a correlation rather than a causation. And so I'm really interested, I'd be really interested, you know, now we know, um, you know, there's a lot of people working in this space, but when someone is really out ahead of the pack and they're really kind of going down a road themselves without necessarily a lot of um, professional validation around that, or some people might have, might think, yeah, okay, it's a little bit of a wacky direction to go. You know, what is it that um, that that he could sense and feel, and why did he go down that road? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, beautiful mm. questions. What is a future dream that you are working towards? Mm, um, I feel like the lunar abundance, which has started off very much as my personal practice, has got so much more uh, growth ahead of it. And I am, I suppose, filling into what that's going to look like and how that is going to unfold. And so it's a bit of a watch this space, but I think it'll be, I think it will become much bigger than it currently is. Mm. Very abundant. <laughs> what is the best movie you've watched in the past month? I recently saw the film Suffragette. Have you seen that one? I don't think so, no. Oh, it's really good. And it's essentially about the, um, I guess, it's almost the um, – it's, it's about women's right to vote. So, And it's in a more militant phase of that journey or it documents some personal journeys of the women who stood up for the right to vote in the early 20th century in Britain. And it is so um, – I mean, it's so heartbreaking to watch actually because the women who did stand up for that right and fought for that right because it had that real, um, I guess, battle quality to it really put so much on the line and lost a lot. So you saw the courage and the conviction of our foremothers in terms of like what they were – what they were willing to lose and what they did lose in order to gain a privilege which we benefit from today in the Western world, you know. So they lost their relationships, their jobs, um, you know, sometimes even, you know, their kids. And I hadn't realised, I guess, how, um, even though I knew that story around and it's, it's relatively recent that even women in the Western world got the right to vote and some women in countries around the world don't have the right to vote and many other things today. Um, but it is such a recent story that women did start to have that right to participate in political discourse today. Um, I mean, and yeah, it's, 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 it, 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 it really showed me, I guess, um, or it really put the mirror up to show, um, you know, how, how far we've come in such a short time as as women and how we have got so much to be grateful for. And what was that called again? It's called Suffragette. Suffragette? Suffragette. So oh, okay. S-U-F-F-R-A-G-E-T-T-E. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I will be checking that out. That sounds phenomenal. It was really good. <laughs> what is <I> your... <laughs> What is your favorite way to unwind at the end of a long day? Mm. Um, well, I love to walk. Walking is um, one of my go-tos and I, I'm lucky to live close to the beach. So I love to go for a beach walk or um, I go to a yin yoga class or I read a book or sometimes I put on, you know, a trashy movie or <laughs> something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What is a country you have visited and loved or a country that you want to visit? I love Indonesia and Bali specifically. I just, oh, I just love Bali. I feel really at home there. It's just such a, it's such a, a fantastic place for a visitor to go to. Um, I've always felt very welcome there as a visitor and um, the, you know, it's such a lush, fertile island. Um, 
lots of shifts and changes always happen in Bali as well. So it's um, it's a place where spirituality is embedded into uh, the daily culture. Um, you know, there's light and dark, and there is a um, there's a real resonance I find between just how I am and um, and even the work that I do. I find that I do a lot of writing in Bali. It's always a very productive place for me, even if I'm going <laughs> on holiday. <laughs> That is great. I want to go there so badly. One day I will, hopefully sooner rather than later. Mm. Currently, what is your favorite meal? Oh, avocado on toast. Smashed uh, avocado. I just had that before this interview. Did you? Yes. I like it with a little bit of um, lemon or lime. Oh, on. I did two pieces of Ezekiel toast with avocado on, and then I did, I smashed some white kidney beans and put those on top. And salt, sea salt. It was so delicious. I'm obsessed right now. It's like all I want to eat. <laughs> oh, I might have to consider putting in the, the kidney beans for the extra twist. Yeah, it's good. If you mash them up and you get them all nice and like mushy and then you put that on there and kind of blend it in with avocado. It's really, really good. Mm. So last question. If you could challenge everyone listening to this to let go of something, what would that be? Worrying and specifically worrying about the future. I feel like this is something which has liberated me in my day-to-day life is just letting go of that sense of worry. So you can still be strategic and have a vision and have a clear sense of what you would like your life to look like and more specifically to feel like. But I feel like that 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 ongoing worry, which was definitely a part of my life, um, around the fact you know that it, it something might go wrong, or um, you know I might lose my job, or you know things won't work out in the way that I want them to work out. To let go of that is incredibly liberating, because the reality is is that life will happen, and there will be highs and there will be lows, and you know it doesn't matter. Um, you know, how well you're doing at life or, you know, how much money you have or, you know, how spiritual you are or how fit you are or anything like that. Life just will oscillate and will go up and will go down. And it's how you respond to that in the moment that's important rather than getting sort of all twisted up in the angst and the fear around what's going to be around the corner. So, let go of that and be happy. Yes, you said it. I love that. That's a great way to wrap up the show. Ezzy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us today. I will have uh, all the links to everything we talked about on the show notes for this, but I really just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. This was such a pleasure. It's been a real pleasure for me too. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right, everybody, that's a wrap for today. If you want to get the notes for this, you want to link up with Ezzy on her website and Instagram, you can go to maddiemoon.com slash mbm87. And while you're there, as always, if you haven't yet downloaded my free book, 10 Proven Steps for Ending Any Diet Obsession, also my free Kindle book will be on there that you can download or get uh, for free first before anyone else, then you can find all that on my website, on the show notes, and uh, Y'all have a fantastic rest of your week.